Koso Iaramakasa Iarabakasar Yorobo Koso Recording in progress Hallelujah Iaramakasat Yorobo Koso Thank you Jesus Oh man I feel the anointing I feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost Apart from the anointing of God, there is nothing that we can do that is of any spiritual weight or worth. We need to be unctionized. I recall in uh, Leonard Ravenhill's book, uh, it might be Revival Praying or, or um, Why Revival Tarries, and he, he uh, rephrases a proverb from the book of Proverbs, and the proverb is, uh, With all thy getting, get understanding. And he says, with all thy getting, get unction. <laughs> he said that the problem today is many uh, half-baked and uh, carnal men behind the pulpits are so busy sermonizing, but uh, they're, they're sermonized to death. They need to be unctionized. And that while that can sound a bit insulting, um, I'm sure it makes very much sense um, to you because... We, we don't desire to hear anything unless it's birthed by God. We need to hear from the Holy Ghost. We need to hear from the living Christ. If the Holy Spirit doesn't breathe upon um, messages, if the Holy Spirit doesn't breathe upon what we do, then our labor, our time is but in vain. Amen. When I had come to church, I didn't come to church for church sake. I came to church because I assumed that I could meet God and that I can find God. Amen. When, when I was headed to a devil's hell, the, le the last thing I wanted was just to be plastic and fake and go and clap my hands and, you know, just become religious. I needed, the, I needed God to come in and save me. <clears throat> and I hope Amen. that that, that's the reason for our gathering primarily and ultimately is that we would come because we desire the Holy Spirit. As it says in Malachi, the Lord whom ye seek. We, we need to, above all, seek the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, more than His blessings, as, as valid as that is. More than uh, the gifts as valid as that is, above all, we must seek the gift giver. And um, as Sister Julia was uh, singing some psalm, uh, some spiritual songs <coughs> unto the Lord, um, a beautiful song, by the way, Sister, absolutely uh, wonderful. And um, I had mentioned to her recently, uh, it's undoubtedly, it, it's... Um, undoubtedly true that uh, God has called her to the music ministry and, he, 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 and here's the reason why is you don't have to be the best singer even though Julia's good at singing um, you don't have to be the top notch of anything um, all that matters and of course we want to strive for excellence I'm not saying do things poorly but if you want to know if you're called to something you may not even be the best, but God moves through you and the anointing flows through that activity, whatever it may be. Um, 
So, for example, someone may be a marvelous singer, wonderful, right? I mean, they, they get everything on point, but God don't flow through them, right? Because they're not called. Or they may be living in sin, right? So, um, you know, I, I really feel by the Lord... I really feel prompted by the Holy Ghost to say that some of you even begin to question, <clears throat> man, is God? does God even want me to do this? I, I, I have self-doubts about uh, this and that. I feel like this could be perfected. I feel like, you know, this ain't the best. And what what is it to humanity? How can it profit them? But you're you're reasoning like a natural man and you're not thinking the thoughts of God. Because if the Holy Spirit has called you to something, he will make sure that he utilizes you for his own good pleasure. Amen. Amen. I remember when I was first called as a preacher, I was 17 years old. I didn't take a seminar on how to hear the voice of God. All I knew is I wasn't even a year saved. I had responded to an altar call and I heard the Holy Ghost so clear. And he said, son... You, I have called you to preach my word. I had never given a sermon at that point, and my 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 uh, my education was a middle school education. I was illiterate. I was not eloquent. I didn't know how to use words. I would stutter a lot. Um, I still used a lot of slang. I still sounded a whole lot. I sounded ghetto because I was still calling people like you know, what's up, fool. Stuff like that. I was saved or, you know, like, what's cracking, you know? Um, I kind of lost a lot of that because I think, um, I'm not saying it's bad, but sometimes it's good to shed some stuff off. Um, But nonetheless, I say that because God, he enabled me to do something that as far as eyes could see did not appear to be the case. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> and just yesterday I gave a, I don't know if you guys happened to watch it, but I gave a, a little sermon um, at a funeral. I didn't prepare anything. I didn't write a single thing down. I didn't have notes. I just went up there and trusted in the living God. <laughs> and um, and so it's, I'm not, I'm not an orator. I'm not a... Um, TED Talk, um, I'm none of those things. I trust that the Spirit of God is able to do what I can't do in myself. Amen. And you too, my brothers and sisters, need to trust in the living God to enable you to do what you cannot do in yourself. And see, and, and I feel prompted by the Holy Spirit to say this too. See, people are going to judge you. Men are going to judge you by men's standards. But who who cares about the standards of men? You need to uh, uh, embrace the standard of God. Because men will impose their judgments on what they think it should be, or how it should be crafted, or how it should be cultivated, or how it should be whatever. And they will reject it. But look at what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. He says, Brethren, when I came to you, I came not in eloquency of speech, 
nor in persuasive words, but I came in the demonstration of the Spirit and power. So I may not have a formal training. I may not have a formal education. I may not uh, uh, be educated. <laughs> I remember a brother I know, he says, I, I, I'm finna get my education. <laughs> I'm educated. <laughs> but you, you, may, you may be lacking in all of those things, but it, it, it has no bearing on the call of God on your life. <coughs> Excuse me. And so, um, because people, um, and I know the Lord's having me sit on this. I know this is speaking to a number of you guys. Because some people are going to dismiss, they're going to reject, they're going to discount anything that you have to offer to the kingdom because it don't look packaged in a specific way. It doesn't look packaged like uh, the, the church down the street or it looks like the preacher over there or it doesn't look like what they've seen on social media. And, and, and they may say, oh, you don't have a degree in this or you don't got that or you don't got this. But see, when God favors you, when God calls you, it doesn't matter who's against you. Amen. 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 <clears throat> Doesn't matter what hater, doesn't matter if a witch is against you, it doesn't matter if the devil and his boyfriend is against you. <laughs> um, but I wanted I wanted to get to the psalm here. And um Psalm 150 <clears throat> in 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 relation to this uh song that sister was singing and is just um The statement, I will praise him. I will praise him. It's an act of will, right? And this is what Psalm 150 says. He, in the first verse, it's a command. It says, praise the Lord. It doesn't say, think about it, or if you feel up to it, or if all of the circumstances are in your favor, then you can praise God. It doesn't say that. It, it gives an imperative statement that you must do this. You must praise the Lord. Amen, somebody. That God, see, God doesn't care about your feelings. Amen. Now, I don't say that in an insensitive way. I mean, I'm talking about your fleshly feelings. I'm tired. It doesn't mean that God don't love you and that God won't help you or God is blind to your feelings. But when push comes to shove, your feelings have no weight, have no value in the economy of the spirit realm. Amen. It has no substance. And, and so it, it's like trying to bring a euro to an American currency or an American dollar to a European currency. It doesn't register. Because you have to get outside of your feelings. You have to get outside of everything that you see. And you have to get into the Holy Spirit. You have to get into the Holy Ghost in order for you to praise God. Because praising God is a spiritual activity. And you cannot do that which is spiritual in the flesh. 
you know, you know the reason why I emphasize prayer so much is it because it requires spiritual people to pray. Why? Because you are you are engaging with a spirit. You are interacting with a spirit. <clears throat> that should go without saying. Because we all know the Bible says in John that God is spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. But when you slow down and really begin to think about the nature of what you are doing when you pray, when you pray, you are engaging with a spirit. You are speaking to a spirit. Now, it's the spirit of all spirits, namely God, right? We're not communing with a demon. We're communing with the living God. Amen. So that if you are not in the spirit, you are just going to waste your time and you're going to be speaking to yourself. And so uh, one of the greatest measures of true spirituality is whether or not you can pray and you can pray intensely, you can pray fervently, you can pray deeply, importunately, with faithfulness and confidence before the Lord, understanding that the Spirit is energizing your uh, ability to um, bring forth words and utterances unto God. Amen. Y'all can say amen to that. No man is greater than his prayer life. No woman is greater than her prayer life. And I know it has come to sound like a broken record at this point, And it's because of this, I want God. I want God. I want God. I want Christ. I want the Holy Spirit. I don't want anything less than that. I want Him to intervene. I want Him to make our lives a glorious uh, 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 praise in the earth. I, I want His glory upon us. And that doesn't come apart from obedience and prayer. Obedience, trust, and prayer. Obedience, trust, and prayer. Because if you pray and don't obey, then why'd you pray? But you can't obey until you pray. Because you can't obey in your own strength. Amen. You need Him. Start from finish. You who have begun by the Spirit, are you now perfected by the flesh? We should not be fatigued. We should not be stressed. We should not be exhausted. I'm not saying we shouldn't be tried. But our rest comes from the Holy Ghost. But nonetheless, we got to praise the Lord. God doesn't care about how we feel. He cares about whether or not we're in the Spirit. Amen. You know, Paul says, I'm out of... He says, uh, uh, you know... Um, to you all, to the Corinthians, I'm out of my mind. And sometimes that's how it is when you follow God's voice, isn't it? People say you're out of your mind. No, you're just so out of your mind and you're so twisted and so warped that when someone does something right, you think I'm crazy. Although I would say on the side, some people, immature Christians, will just blame well, they'll use those selective passages where it says talks about being a fool for Christ to justify their immature decisions. 
I'm just a fool for Christ. No, you're just a fool, period. <laughs> you're not a fool for Christ. You're a fool. You know how the, the newer generation goes, period. Well, they put a T at it, right? Is it, am, I, am, I, am I understanding it right? Period. I don't think I'm saying it right. <laughs> New age. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, period. Period. Nah, that's for the girls, man. <laughs> 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 period. Period. <laughs> you gotta emphasize that T. Um. <laughs> Mama. <laughs> <coughs> Excuse me. But nonetheless, there's so much that can be said about that um, that first verse. Praise the Lord. So whether in pain, whether sorrowful, you know, I just spoke at the funeral and it reminded me of when my mother passed. Um, <clears throat> I was working. And uh, I was working night shifts at the time, and, you know, I had received the unfortunate news. My mother passed away, and um, I didn't have very long with her because, you know, my, my dad and my mom was divorced when I was at the age of five. She, um, my dad divorced her because she was a, a crank addict, you know, smoked a lot of meth, and sad to say, but that's my story, and, um, and so there was a restraining order placed on my, my mom and me. My dad had gone to the court so that my mom couldn't see me. She couldn't be around me. So I, had, I hadn't seen her for over a decade. And when I did come into her life, I, I became a drug addict. And my mom didn't care. I would go to her house and I would smoke and get high, get drunk, whatever. And she didn't trip about it. Um, so I came around maybe like 15 years old. Um, but anyways, so I ended up getting saved at 17. So, so the time I did have with her wasn't that good of a time. Right. Um, and she was already on oxygen and, you know, she couldn't breathe on her own. She had an oxygen tank and everything. And, uh, cause she, she smoked cigarettes at like the age of 11 all her life. Um, she was, you know, so she thrashed her lungs, un unfortunately, um, but she ended up repenting at the end of her life. And I thank God for that. She repented and she would want me. And I ended up, you know, of course getting saved and 17. And so I had only from 17 to 18 years old with her, but I would read her the Bible would pray with her. And, and, um, you know, she changed a lot at the end. Because she was a very, very cantankerous woman, very, very violent, nasty in terms of just sharp with words. But then when she repented, she became so gentle and joyous and happy. And, and, um, and so that's a blessing, okay? Maybe not a, the best ending in terms of uh, great health and all this stuff. But I say all that to say this. When my mother passed... It hurt my heart, and I got the call like two in the morning, and I didn't get didn't get to say goodbye. Um, but I remember leaving the hospital, seeing my mother pass, and I went to a local gas station, 
and um, and I posted, uh, I think I posted on social media or something that my mom passed away and please pray for me or I had let some brothers know or something and so they were, t they, they were uh, going out of town. They were already out of town and they returned back. They were probably like 45 minutes away. They came just to come and pray for me. <clears throat> and uh, here I am probably, uh, maybe like one in the morning, maybe midnight, somewhere around that time because of a 24-hour gas station. And they ended up praying for me and the Holy Ghost fell on me in the parking lot and I began speaking in tongues and worshiping and shouting and there's people going in and out and I don't care because the Holy Ghost, the fire of God came on me so strong and despite the terrible news I just heard, I still elicited a praise unto God. Man. Hallelujah! That's why... Um, I I don't think it is an excuse to say, you know, this just happened or I'm going through so much, you just don't understand. <coughs> I may not understand, but God understands. And see it see if if our walk with God is based on circumstances, then circumstances will dictate your joy, will dictate your strength, will dictate your victory. You can't allow for your praise unto God to be dictated by what circumstances bring. Rather, it should be secured by the rock of the ages. Not on what happens necessarily, but on what on who God is. And all that he is for us in Christ. And his durability, his reliability, his dependence, his security, his infinitude his power his glory his goodness his mercies doesn't say praise him for your circumstances even though that may legitimately be an occasion to give him thanks thank you lord that there you know i thank him when it's a beautiful sunny day and it feels good and i got my cup of coffee and i get to read my bible and you know i i don't feel like i had a struggle to get out of bed and i thank him for those things but don't get it twisted. Just because those things don't come doesn't mean that I'm therefore going to rob God of the praise that is due unto his name. Hallelujah. You know, it, if there's anything that has shifted in the culture today, um, in the church culture, I think it's the unfor unfortunate shift of how all the music, just about, um, sounds so monotone. Sounds like I'm headed into a funeral. They're like, oh, God, we thank you. Like, it's just so long and drawn out. It sounds monotone to me. It sounds like I'm in a morgue. And I'm like, what happened to the joy? What happened to more some of the upbeat songs where we, we give God joy? Like, we're not... I get it. There's times where we're sad and sorrowful and there's uh, slow songs have their place. I understand it. But all the time? Amen. Aren't there amen. smiles? Aren't there isn't there joy? Is it amen? Amen. Or are we moping around like Eeyore? And we're just using slow songs to justify how we're like Eeyore moping around with our head down. And I have nothing against slow songs. 
I'm just saying there's some songs I feel like it's almost like comes from a spirit of depression. Um, maybe you guys don't know what I'm talking about, but I, I sometimes see songs like that. Um, and it, it, it just kind of magnifies problems. Like a woe is me sort of deal. It's like, no, not woe is me. Uh, it, it's about praising God. I can't think of any specific song. Yeah, worship songs, though. I, I can't think of any specific song. Um, <coughs> but the point that I'm trying to make is when we sing, it's not about glorifying our problems. You know, it's not about glorifying problems. And it's just the same thing with rap. It's like, yo, you've been rapping for 10 years and you're still talking about how you came from the streets. It's like, are, are you struggling to want to go back? You know what I mean? I, I, I'm not saying that there isn't a place for testimony. But talk about what God is doing in your life now. What about the miracles now? What about the praise reports now? Talk about how God has led you to pull others out of the streets. Amen? You shouldn't be talking about how you're struggling to go back to porn or go back to your vomit or go back to alcohol or go back to drugs when you've been saved 10 years. Come on, somebody. I'm not saying that hard times don't come. Temptation don't come. But I'll tell you this, that since I've been in Christ, I have not once longed to go back to getting high. I don't long to go back to that stuff. And so, you know, it's no wonder that I, I, I just don't have people coming up to me with drugs anymore. Like, hey, man, you, you trying to get some cocaine? Hey, man, hit, hit this crack pipe. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. Like, the devil would have to be very dumb to think that's going to work. Amen. But although when I was coming to Christ, that was a valid temptation. I have people left and right. Because when I was in the world, y'all know that it's kind of hard to, because people are real grimy. They're dog-eat-dog world and everybody's after self. And so uh, um, people are real stingy. And But when I, was, when I was coming to the Lord and I wanted to give my life to Christ, People left after right after left, free this, free that, free this, free that. And I'm like, whoa, uh, this never happened before. Like there's like several occurrences all in one day of free this, free drugs, free all that. And, and I knew like this is too good to be true. This is the devil. This is definitely the devil. Yeah. But anyways, Psalm 149, it says this scene to the Lord a new song, his praise in the assembly of his faithful people. You know, I remember, uh, <clears throat> I said this before, but <laughs> I think it's funny. <laughs> um, I, I was on a part of a praise team, and, you know, there was a lot of elderly uh, believers, and I'll say this as disrespect at all. We are supposed to respect our elders. But I said it in a joking way. I didn't really mean it, you know. And, um, but, one of the sisters that was leading the, she was probably like, yeah, maybe 77 years old. And, uh, she, 
Yeah, she she wanted to play the song that I didn't know how to play because it's like from the 40s or 50s or something like that. And I said, sister, with all due respect, the Bible says sing unto the Lord a new song. <laughs> <laughs> and she kind of looked at me and smirked like, that's a good one, but I'm not going to obey that verse. <laughs> good one. But I'm not I doing it. Says next time. <laughs> <laughs> she, had, she had that look on her face like, good one, but I'm not doing that. <laughs> this is what we're doing, and that's all to it. <laughs> like, come on, man. Come on. <laughs> but <clears throat> let me say this, though. It can be selfishness. I believe we're supposed to respect our elders. Absolutely. You don't you can't just talk to your elders the way that you can talk to a peer. And the Bible says that. You know, speak to the older women as mothers and um younger sisters, you know, with all purity. And so there's different ways that you address those um that have um mileage and age ahead of you. <clears throat> but at the same time, the older generation as well as a younger, right, can be selfish. And the way that I'm saying that is, if we keep on insisting in our little ways, our little uh, packaged Christianity has to sound like this, we have to do these songs, we have, and I get it, Every every little tribe has their, their preferences, their culture, and I get it, I understand. But sometimes you have to get with the times. You have to be sensitive to that. Because you can you can jeopardize losing the up and coming generation and fail to pass the baton to them because you are so uh concrete on the ways you want it. Amen. Amen. Y'all can say amen to that. So that that might that might be a thing that brings delight to you right now for you to hear, but it also may be a, a time which which will cause for a death to some of the things you want to see. Maybe tomorrow. It, it means you have to be adaptive. Love adapts. <clears throat> Love seeks to adapt. Love seeks not not on things that God has said for us to be firm on. But we yield, we accommodate. Amen. Yes, I believe that's that's one of the reasons why the generation Z is having so many problems. You know, we we have to and we have to be humble enough to admit where we've been wrong or where we have gone only up until a certain point. I thank God for those who have gone before us. I, I won't even dare to insult some of the great pioneers who have gone before us in, in this uh, uh, the bygone eras. But we have to go where they left off and, and, and progress. Amen. <clears throat> but it says, um, sing to the Lord a new song. His praise in the assembly of his faithful people. Let me say this. Do you know that the church is not for the world? I'm not saying that the world, that Paul doesn't assume that the world will come in at times. For, for 
and genuinely seek for God. Because he says, you know, he talks about prophecy and he says, if you prophesy to an unbeliever, the sins of their heart will be laid bare. And they will say, surely the God of truth is among you. So Paul doesn't say, hey, if an unbeliever comes in, kick him out. <clears throat> you only kick people out that are, are wolves who are infiltrating purposefully to, to destroy the people of God with false doctrine or, or immorality and stuff like that. But don't be mistaken that the word ekklesia in the Greek, which is the word that's translated to the word assembly in English or church, is the word called out ones. So we've been called out by the Lord Jesus, just like the Lord had called out Israel from Egypt. He calls us out, both Jew and Gentile, and constitutes us as his holy people. And we are the assembled ones, the holy ones. And therefore, those who are not holy are not the church, the assembly, the called out ones. They're not called out because they're still in darkness. So that means we need to stop with this uh, um, this um, seeker-sensitive movement where we're always trying to think about how can we make the world feel as comfortable as they possibly can be inside the church when we have to talk about sin. Amen. Hallelujah. <coughs> you know... When, when, you know, I was at that funeral yesterday, um, it was a bit intimidating in the flesh because there were so many gangsters there. And I felt just this heavy feeling, man. And I felt like an outsider because, yeah, the, the, the individual who passed is uh, my cousin's, was my cousin's husband. But a lot of people were there, like, I don't, you know, some I knew, some I didn't know. And so here I'm coming, declaring Jesus' name. Amen. So, so it's a sensitive time when someone passes away. It, you feel like you're walking on eggshells. But I, something the Lord told me as I was looking at their faces, He said, "Son, He emboldened me. Some of them are going to hell, and My name is the only thing that saves. Preach it." I said, okay, Lord, um, this is this is something, a light of eternity. And if I fail to mention the name of Jesus, and I just want to use a generic term like God, because everybody's cool with God, just don't say Jesus, right? Because the Hindus will say God, Buddha will say God, Muhammad will say God. We can all just come along on this common ground of God, just a generic God. Who is he? Well, we don't know. And let's just not even ask that question to define him, lest we create barriers and 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 gates around to divide. But no, if that was the route I had taken, I'd be a coward. And I don't care. How, I don't care if you want to protect people's feelings. You're a, a hate-filled coward that has an absence of love, who don't care about where people will spend in eternity. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. I don't I don't care where you come from. Jesus saves. His name saves. Buddha don't save. Muhammad don't save. Krishna don't save. New Age don't save. Your crystals don't save. Drugs don't save. 
Your gang don't save. Crip don't save. Norte don't save. None of that saves. Jesus saves. Therefore, uh, uh, worship him. Repent. Change your mind. Turn your back on all of that. Turn your face toward his kingdom and he will pardon. He will pardon you. He will abundantly save. It says, all those who come unto me, I will no wise cast out. It says, therefore, he is able to save to the uttermost unto uh, uh, all those who come unto God through him. Amen. He's not able to save partially or barely save. If the Bible says he's able to save to the uttermost. Hallelujah. Amen. That means it's final. There's, it, it, there's a finality to it. It is complete. It is absolute. And he will no wise cast you out if you come unto God through Christ. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. He's a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God. He's a merciful and faithful high priest, not unable to empathize for our weaknesses, tempted in all points like we yet without sin. Amen. The blood of Jesus still uh, washes us clean. The blood of Jesus still sets free. The Holy Spirit still uh, breaks bondages and breaks yokes. God the Father is still giving. Amen. Yeah. And so, um, but yeah, so that, that's what really encouraged me, emboldened me to say, you know what? Um, no, I'm, I'm, I come in Jesus' name. Amen. Such, Amen. I, I don't have much, but such as I have, give I unto thee. I come in Jesus' name. I don't, I, I don't come in my own name. And especially for those of you that are called to be ambassadors for the living God, when we come in Jesus' name, we come in his name. Think about that. What does it mean? I come in Jesus' name. I don't come on my own authority. The word anamitas uh, is the word name, but it's also the word authority. So when we come in Jesus' name, we come in his authority. Amen. Amen. And so you know what that means? That means heaven will back you up. Heaven will back you up with its power. Heaven will back you up with its resources. But verse 2, it says, let Israel rejoice. Oh, wait, hold on. I'm actually reading Psalm 149. I can't recall if I said Psalm 150 or Psalm 149. But nonetheless, what did I say? He said Psalm 150 and then he went to Psalm 149. Okay, well, we'll stick with Psalm 149. Let Israel rejoice in their maker. Let the people of God uh, the people of Zion be glad in their king. This is once again a command. It says, let Israel rejoice in their maker. So where is the ground for our rejoicing? It's found in God himself. Amen. Amen. See, look, look, my brothers and sisters, this is why the devil wants you especially to fall into fornication. Especially to fall into lust. Why? Because it deflates your appetite for God. 
And it, it, it doesn't enable, it, it disables you from rejoicing in God. Amen. You know, fornication and, and sex and all this stuff, it's a lie. It's a lie from the devil. It tells you it will satisfy you. And, and, and he wants to add even more fantasy with it and, and all this uh, nonsense and, and, and this lie and to, to get people to feel the sense of um, rush. And then it sinks you down into the mire of depression and self-hatred. But let me tell you today that the power of God is able to deliver and set free. Set free from the bondage of, of lust. Say, set free from the bondage of pornography. Set free from the bondage of fornication. Hallelujah. You know, you, here's, here's a tip, brothers and sisters. When the Lord delivers you from something... Don't even give the devil a centimeter or an inch. Because the moment you do that, you give a pathway for an appetite to be rekindled. Amen. You know, people talk about anger management classes. You know, you're not supposed to manage anger. You're supposed to put it to death. Imagine if we had lust management classes. <laughs> don't, it sounds stupid, don't it? Um, we're supposed to put lust to death. We're supposed to put unrighteous anger to death. And so if you allow even a centimeter to be opened, you're just trying to manage sin so it don't overtake you. I got it. I got this sin. No, you, you don't got it. It got you. You got to kill it because it's trying to rob you of the true abundant life to which Jesus called you to. And it's a life of joy, a life of peace, a life of hope, a life of uh, uh, consistency. Amen. It wants to rip you to shreds. It wants you to tear you to pieces. It wants to eat you, spit you out and treat, treat you like trash. Amen. Sin ain't good. It ransacks our lives. It causes havoc. And it robs us of all the precious promises that God has for us. Amen. So, my brothers and sisters, what, what do you have to die to today? And let me tell you this too, and I, I feel like the Lord wants me to say this. I feel the prompt from Him right now. Condemnation won't help you to overcome. You know, uh, uh, thinking about hell is not going to help you to overcome. Continuing to go back to a spirit of, of, of self-condemnation isn't going to enable you to overcome. I remember something John Piper said. He says, the only sin that can be conquered is forgiven sin. Amen. You cannot conquer unforgiven sin. 
Therefore, you have to rest in the reality that the blood of Jesus has cleansed you and forgiven you and pardoned you for that iniquity, for that sin. And that you can now, by His Spirit, because the blood has done its work, now by the Spirit live a life of perpetual victory. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> so, you know, the Bible says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will you not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will lay any charge to the uh, God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he to condemn? Christ Jesus died, and more than that, was raised to life and seated at the right hand of God, who also lives to make intercession for us, the Bible says in Romans 8. So the Bible says, who is to condemn? Is your heart to condemn? Is the devil to condemn? How can it condemn if Jesus was condemned for you? Amen. That was what will make for your liberty and your peace is to know that Jesus was condemned in your place. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> And so, don't allow the devil to, to drag you back. Don't allow temptation to lure you back to the old way of doing things. Your old lifestyle of sin. Amen. Amen. Let, let me say this, my brothers and sisters. Do you know, do you know something? This is very deceitful. But do you know even self-condemnation can be a sin? Because you are not believing the forgiveness of God. It's unbelief. But it's just cloaked in this more religious dress. It looks more religious. It looks right. And I'm not saying don't have godly sorrow. If you sin, have godly sorrow. That's a good thing. But I can take you to a passage where the, the Bible says, <clears throat> Paul said, welcome back that sinning brother. Okay, because they kicked him out of the church for committing incest. And he says, because we are not ignorant of the devil's devices. He says, welcome him back. Reaffirm your love to him, lest he be overcome by excessive sorrow. For we are not ignorant of the devil's devices. So Paul is equating excessive sorrow, even though it was began as godly sorrow. It was godly sorrow. But it just went beyond what it was intended to do. It was too much. And he equates excessive godly sorrow, not godly sorrow, excessive godly sorrow with the devil's devices. Um, babe, do, do you mind Googling that for me? Uh, it says, uh, you can paraphrase it. Um, it talks about excessive solve for we're not ignorant of the devil's devices. Just so you know, I'm not lying. And post it here in the chat. Um, but he equates the two. So, so for some of us, you know, if we've messed up, the devil wants to keep you wallowing in that self-hatred. In that condemnation. He wants you to wallow there. He wants you to live there. And he will say, you know, no, you need to cry longer. 
You need to put your face in the mud a little longer. Do you think Jesus will forgive you after a simple confession? After all, how, how much you've wounded him? That's the sort of rationale he will come to you with. Is this making sense? Amen. <clears throat> but see, see, a big reason why Jesus died, why the Father gave Christ, the Bible says Jesus endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. Now we can debate about what was the what what was exactly the object of his joy. I think there was a number of things. I think he wanted to do the will of his father. But I think he also saw the day of the engrafting of poor down sin-trodden sinners into the kingdom and that was his joy. God wants you to rejoice in him and he in you. But look, it says this, Second uh, Corinthians chapter two, verse seven through eleven. Now, instead, you ought to forgive and comfort him, so that he will not be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. I urge you, therefore, to reaffirm your love for him. Another reason I wrote you was to see if you would stand the test and be obedient in everything. Anyone you forgive, I also forgive. And what I have forgiven, if there was anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake. In order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. Do you see that? Amen. <coughs> Excuse me. Back to verse 2. Let Israel rejoice in their maker. Let the people of Zion be glad in their king. You know that's the will of God in Christ Jesus for you to be glad in your maker. See, that's that's how you know that joy is not impossible. Because joy for you, joy in Christ is the will of God for you. And see, this is how naturally minded some of us are. We'll read the Bible where it says rejoice always. And then we'll, we'll come back to self-performance. Like, oh, I can't do this. And then you'll just go relapse back into self-condemnation. Like, how could I ever possibly do this? But you're missing the whole point. You're missing the heart of the Father behind commands like that. Number one, you haven't been called to be rejoicing in your own strength. And number two, you have to understand that that is stemming from the heart of God that is a heart of love that wants to see you have and not lack. Rather than, oh, I just need to get God off my back and do what he tells me to do. Like, for example, my, my son, uh, he, he got the flu and he was, man, it just broke my heart. It broke my heart because he was crying because I, I don't know why, but he, he don't know how to cough and he needs to get the phlegm out. And he was, he was afraid because he thought he was choking and he, I could hear terror in his voice. And I said, son, I said, daddy and mommy is here for you. We're here for you. Be courageous, son. Be strong, son. Nothing's going to happen to you. And yeah. you can hear, you can see his lip quivering and he's afraid. But how much sense would it make for him to now go into self-condemnation? My dad said do this, but I'm not doing it. You, you get what I'm saying? 
Hear the heart of the Father behind the command. Be strong. Why? For my sake? No, for his sake. I know everything's going to be fine. But son, be strong. Everything's going to be all right. Amen. So when the Lord says rejoice always, he wants to see you rejoice in him. He doesn't want to see you downtrodden by sin. He don't want to see you depressed. He don't want to see you overcome with hopelessness. He don't want to see you conquered by the devil and his lies and be pimped out by uh, all of uh, the enemy's minions. He wants to see you live above and not beneath, be the head and not the tail, strong and courageous, living abundantly, filled with joy and power and confidence. Amen. Yeah. <clears throat> if you believe it, uh, type amen. Amen. Verse 3 says, Let them praise his name with dancing and make music to him with timbrel and harp. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> so, that means you have to kind of lose sight of self. Some of you don't like dancing. Learn a new dance for the Lord. Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> That's me. That's for me. Um, now, here's what I would say about it. It doesn't mean you'll be a dancer. The, but the point, though, is this. When you're praising God, you're losing sight of self. It's not about you. It's not about how you look. I've heard sisters in church say, Oh, you know, I, you know, if I worship, my mascara is going to... Uh, you know, all that stuff. I'm like... Okay, first of all, then don't wear it. Number Amen. two, it ain't about Amen. you. I mean, was, was the woman with the alabaster box, was she worried about that? Oh, man, the, the alabaster box and the perfume. Oh, no. <laughs> that was the whole point. It was a sacrifice. Break that box on Jesus. You know, then there's some men <coughs> that feel like, oh man, I'm I'm too strong, I'm too macho to let my walls come tumbling down and cry in the presence of God. You're gonna lose your your image. But let that image come down, and that, that's the thing is the devil will keep telling you, Don't lose your image, don't lose your image, don't lose your image. See, but some of you have to lose that image in order for you to gain the image of Christ on your life. <laughs> I, I, I don't care. I, I want my victory. I want freedom. I want joy. There's, I, I don't care. There's times where I, I, in the middle of the dang uh, altar, I'm just flat on my face weeping. I don't care. What does it matter? Amen? Amen. <clears throat> you didn't care when you were in the world, when you looked like a fool, 
getting all drunk. You didn't care when you were in the world and you made yourself look like a fool in many different ways. So let us not care. Um, <clears throat> but it says, let them praise his name with dancing and make music to him with timbrel and harp. For the Lord takes delight in his people. He crowns the humble with victory. Yes, that'd be wonderful. I can't, man, that'd be one of the greatest things to be able to pray with all of you in person. Yeah, that'd be wonderful. Amen. Um, but look at what the Lord says. He takes delight in his people. Do you know that? Do you believe that? He actually takes delight in you. Some of you feel like there's no way. I don't like myself. I, I can't stand myself. I hate who I am. Mm. I love this song by Jason Upton. It says, Come up here. Come up now. My beloved. My beloved. Come up here. Come up now. My beloved. The Lord calls you beloved and he wants you to come up to him in high places. Because he wants to spend time with you. Do you know there's some things that the Lord doesn't even want you to ask about? There's times he don't even want you to pray for the advancing of his kingdom. He just wants you to tell him that you love him. And him to respond that he loves you too. Hallelujah. Oh man, I feel the Holy Ghost is ministering to some of you. Some of you need to be reminded that God loves you not just for what you can do. He loves you. And he don't just love you as the church, as a generic sort of broad. He loves the church. He loves you. Paul says this. He says, he says uh, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. For the Son of God loved me. And gave his life for me. He made it personal. You know, Jesus knows you by name. He knows everything that you would ever do. And he still thought it fit. To die for you. To shed his life's blood for you. And even if you have wounded him and grieved him. <clears throat> God wants to restoration of your relationship to him and he wants this mutual delight of you delighting in him and he in you oh man I can't tell you some of the greatest times have been God has magnified his and, and revealed his love to me again and how many of you know we have to be reminded of how deep God loves his people that he would shed his love abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost. Amen. He loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. 
Oh, how he loves. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your tender mercies, O oh God. Thank you, Jesus. <coughs> but the Lord wants to wash you clean. And all that makes you filthy, He wants to rid your life of. Because God wants to make a habitation in your heart to where He's pleased to dwell. Jesus don't want to feel uncomfortable inside you. And some of you wonder, some of you cannot endure that discomfort that comes after you sin. And here's the thing, you shouldn't. It's a mercy. God is not allowing you to get away with some of the things you think you want. And he will make you feel like he will rob you of peace and delight and comfort until you come into alignment to him. Because he didn't save you just so you can remain Lord of your life. He saved you with an everlasting love in order for you to come into alignment with his lordship. Amen. Amen. Amen, somebody. He, Amen. He, he's not only Savior, but he's Lord. But you know what? I'd rather have him Lord over my life than the devil be a taskmaster over me. Because the devil was merciless. He had no empathy. No regard and wanted my life to become subject to his torment and torture. Amen. But Jesus came and he says, he says, oh, you are heavy laden and burdened. He says, learn from me. For my yoke, it's easy. And my burden is light. It's light. And if there's any heaviness that is associated with your walk with God, it comes as a result of legalism or unbelief. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> so, um, we're coming to a close here shortly. says uh he crowns the humble with victory so guess what you know i'm sick of this dumb uh woe is me i'm a wretch my heart is deceitful above all things who can know it doctrine because i'm not a wretch i'm not a sinner i'm not a, a worm i am a victor in christ amen Look, you got some of you guys have to understand this and believe this. You're not a a uh, sinner anymore. You are a saint. You aren't a worm. And the Bible says, it says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So Jesus didn't say, Blessed are the pure in heart. Oh, but I really didn't mean that because everyone's heart, even if you're in Christ, is just a, is corrupt and wicked. No. Our hearts have been washed by the blood of Jesus. The Holy Ghost has regenerated our hearts, given us new appetites, new desires in Jesus. So you have a good and pure heart in Christ. You are no longer a sinner. You're no longer a wretch. And the passage that people always go to in Romans where Paul says, Woe is me for, you know, he says, uh, Oh, wretched man that I am. They don't understand that he's speaking from the, in a perspectival way. A, a, a Paul under the law. 
Okay, and I don't have time to go into that, but basically that's what that's going on there in Romans, where Paul talks about, oh, wretched man that I am, the good I want to do, I do not do. So you mean to tell me that Paul was living his whole life wanting to do good but couldn't do it? So he couldn't walk in faith, he couldn't walk in holiness, he just kept living in defeat, yet proclaiming to Jesus that saves, but saves from what? Jesus can save not only from the penalty of sin, but from the power and the bondage of sin too. Did I say you can save yourself? No, you can't. But Jesus can. Christ through you can. Amen. So you don't have to live in unbelief. You don't have to live in doubt. You don't have to live in lust. You don't have to live in greed. You don't have to live in self-hatred. You don't have to live in any of those things and get that poor theology out that leads you to believe that you must. Amen. Now, here, here's where some of you now feel the pressure because you're like, oh no, that means I'm responsible. That means there's something I can do in Christ <coughs> that I haven't been doing. And now I don't got a theological excuse anymore. <laughs> we love theological excuses because it feels like God has given us the card. The get out of jail free card. Pass and go. <laughs> um, amen, somebody. Amen. But he gives us victory. Victory over what? Victory over the devil. Victory over his schemes. Victory over his lies. Victory over his devices. Victory over the flesh. Some people, some people are so dumb, they will say that I'm preaching legalism. They'll say, that's not biblical, brother. What do you mean it's not? It's literally in the text. You have a bunch of narcissists online wanting to stir up the pot with their false doctrine and get people to believe that they must live defeated from A to B. You can but get get lost with that. I, I'm not accepting that. I'm Amen. not living that way. Amen. And then you meet Jesus when you die. Tell him your theology. Amen. <laughs> I mean, even if they met Jesus, they still wouldn't believe him. Some of them are not hard-headed. For real. I don't know, man. But this is good news, isn't it? That you can live in victory. That God delights in you. <coughs> um, we'll read the last verse. Let his faithful people rejoice in this honor. Oh, you know what? One, one other thing I want to point out. It says the humble crowns with victory. See, some of us have to lose pride. <laughs> Remember, it wasn't lust that caused the devil to fall. It was pride. And people underestimate the power of pride. And some of you may be operating it and just don't even realize it. 
Because it's, it's humility. Humility is one thing that is so lacking in the body of Christ. I mean, the, peop, the amount of people that will say, you know, I know my Bible, I know the Greek, I know the Hebrew, I know this great sermon or this great pastor, and then you tell them something that's in the Word and they get bent out of shape. They start manifesting. You know, just recently I told a student that I'm sorry. He's, he's a seventh grader. I told him sorry. Because I felt like I went overboard. And I elevated my voice a bit too much. And I was I feel like I might have been a bit too assertive and firm. And, and But I say that not to be saying, hey, what was me? Look, look. I'm saying that because, well, number one, because I, I don't respect people that can't live out what they preach. So I, I try to give examples of, no, look, I'm actually practicing this, okay? Um, but number two, to give you an example of, because some of us, we want to get the this examples that are easy for us to humble ourselves in. Okay. It's not too difficult to humble yourself before an officer because you know he got authority. But what about when you got authority? Can you still humble yourself? Amen. What about when... They ain't got power over you. They ain't got authority over you. They don't know as much as you do. You, They can't articulate their concepts. And so even if they're right, they don't even know how to explain that they're right. Can you still humble yourself? Ah, we don't like that one, huh? Can you humble yourself to your children? And say, you know what? I'm sorry. I was wrong. Will you forgive me? Amen. <clears throat> um, can you humble yourself to your brother or sister and say, you know what, I, I was wrong. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. Um, can you humble yourself <clears throat> when I tell you to do something? And I'm not just saying that because it's me, but it's a good example. If I say you're you're wrong there. Or I would like for you to do this. Are you going to buck up against it and say, well, this, well, that, and la, 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 la. <laughs> and just every, everything in the book for why you shouldn't, for why you can't, for why this, for... And no, will you walk in humility? Amen? You know, I, <clears throat> I remember my dad would say, you know, about my friends, if they told you to walk off a cliff, are you going to go? And I say that to say this. I'm not telling any of you guys walk off a cliff. I'm not telling any of you guys to do anything that the Bible don't say. Say pray. Read. Be consistent in prayer meetings. Because it's, it's those that aren't consistent you know you have to you have to maintain it don't get bent out of shape you know uh <laughs> i've seen the, i don't know if you guys seen in the chat i posted or i, I think i put in the chat or I must, must have put in my stories or one maybe both but where the guys all <laughs> Sir, pastor that was a great sermon and he said i was praying for you the whole time and he was asleep <laughs> 
I hope, I hope some of you ain't manipulative like that, where you're coming, but you're asleep. <laughs> I'm going to just get them off my back, but I'm going to just... Oh, good sermon. <laughs> oh, what was it about? And just leave me on scene, then you go back and watch it on... And then come back and... Don't play that stupid stuff. Come on, y'all too old for that stuff. What am I going to do? What am I going to do to you? Throw you in prison? Just be honest. Yeah, I was on social media. Yeah, I wasn't paying attention. Yeah, I didn't like what you said. <coughs> yeah, I fell asleep. Or, yeah, you know what? I... I um. There was this girl that was all of a sudden interested in me, and so I, I missed out on prayer because I wanted to go on a date with her. And then she doesn't talk to you the next week. God, God was testing you. You failed. Try again. Okay, I'll stop. I'll stop humiliating you guys. That That's not the point, though. I'm not motivated to try to humiliate anybody. But I, I, I bring up these examples so you can be confronted with them and so you can grow. Amen? Amen. <clears throat> I remember... Uh, this is the last thing I'll say. I remember when... Um, the uh, brother who pastored me... I remember one time he said something really hard to me. <clears throat> and I think there was times he went overboard. I think there was a number of times he did. And, um, but be that as it may, um, he, um, he remember, he told me, he says, you know, brother, he says, if you can't, if you can't listen or endure what I'm telling you in love and based in truth, how are you going to endure the devil's constant harassment? He don't play fair and he don't play nice. And that really put it into perspective to me. The devil is constantly harassing you, wanting to torment your mind and lie to you. And some of us will put up with that. But we can't endure a godly sound voice that loves you and cares enough to um, help you in your walk that shouldn't be so amen <clears throat> and so 